Welcome back to your next stop. This is Juliette Hahn. And in this episode, I speak with Victoria Martin. She is the head scientist for FetTech. And I love this conversation so much. We go through all of Vicky's path, really how she became the head scientist for FetTech, but kind of what made her tick, what she did as a kid. Her mom was a chemist, her dad was an engineer, and why she ended up going into the sciences. You would think it's because of the what the house was, but it's kind of not. So like, you guys got to listen to this. We talk about passion, what drives you. She was really, really good in math, but hated it. And I became fascinated with that and kind of just going down some rabbit holes, uh, as some of us say. And it's, um, it's a really, really great episode because it really gives you different sides of people's lives and why we end up kind of going on paths that we end up going on. So you don't want to miss this. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I do. Welcome back to your next stop. You know, I guys, I say this every single time. I'm so excited to bring you someone that has followed a passion and I'm like even beyond more excited to introduce you to Victoria Martin, who is the lead scientist at FetTech. Hey, Vicki, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. So this, I've been, I mean, Vicki knows I've been like squealing about this because as you guys have heard, I'm now working for a company in the biomedical tech field. Um, and Vicky is the one that tells me the things I cannot say and I can say. <laughs> and she does a lot, lot more, but it is this world that I'm super fascinated about. So we are going to be starting something called Masterminds in Medicine. Stay tuned because I'm going to be putting a little like snippet out. You guys will be able to hear that. But I wanted to have Vicky on here because I wanted Vicky to tell and share her story because I became super fascinated on why and how Vicky got into the sciences. So we're going to jump right in, Vicky. I know, I know we've like <laughs> talked great. about this a million times, but can you give us a little background of kind of where you grew up and kind of paint that picture for us? Sure. Um, so I think I grew up in a pretty normal family, mom, dad, me, my older brother. Um, we were pretty standard, I think. Uh, my dad is an engineer. My mom was a chemist, but then she was a stay-at-home mom when we came along. So, um, but we were not like a nerdy science family. We were just a pretty normal, normal family, I think. Um, I grew up in Southern California near, near Disneyland. So we used to watch the Disneyland fireworks from the top of my grandfather's uh, van. <laughs> so, um, and then when I was in elementary school, my dad got a new job and he got transferred and we moved to uh, a suburb of Detroit. So we moved to Michigan and that was a really hard move for me. I know it seems like moving in elementary school is a pretty normal thing for a lot of people, but um, we moved in the midst of, the biggest blizzard. They, it was like the 20 year blizzard that they had had. And we moved and there was all this snow. And then there was a layer of ice on top. And we had never really spent a lot of time in snow. And I remember that first morning, like running outside. And we were so excited. Yes, snow. And we slipped on the ice and fell on our backs. And we were like, this is terrible. We don't want to live here. <laughs> it was a big transition. And it really, I spent a lot of years growing up wanting to move back to the West Coast and sort of like having that as my refusing to adopt the Midwest identity, I guess. No, and it's <laughs> and so interesting. And, back was. No. And again, I love how you paint that picture because anyone that's listening can really feel like if you're in a warm climate and then you go to the snow, you are excited about it. But then the reality hits of like what it actually is. And one thing that you said that uh, I can say is true. I don't know the rest of your family, but when I met you, Vicky has a PhD from Purdue. So she's got a, a 
really significant background. She is one of the smartest people I've probably ever encountered. And I know she gets really uncomfortable when I, when I go down and talk about this, but it is so fascinating to me. But Vicky also speaks at a level where I understand and without a science background, I really am like, wait, I totally get that. I wish you were my science teacher because I would have learned science in such a better, an amazing way. I mean, I think that's one of the things with Fat Tech. Everyone really brings awesome quality to what their position is. And I've been on calls with like really high level PhDs like yourself. And you just, I think I said to you, you're a really well-rounded human. And you kind of were like, what does that mean? But it is like, you really, you wouldn't know that you're as smart as you are because you talk at a normal person's level. And I know that sounds really elementary and really silly, (laughs) not really smart, but you really do. You explain things in such a beautiful way that someone that's not in the sciences can understand. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually a nice way of saying it. I've, I've been told many times like, yeah, it's just amazing. Like you have a PhD, like you would never know it. And it, it's kind of a backhanded compliment a little bit, but, um, totally. It took me a while to appreciate that that was actually a, a good thing. Um, because it doesn't sound like it. No, but no, it I, do think, yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, that's, that's how I think of things in my head sometimes is, you build an analogy to something in your everyday life that you're used to, or you kind of picture it in a certain way and helping other people to be able to see or envision it that way. That's what helps me remember it. And so I know it helps other people remember it too. And I think it's really important. I'm a big believer in not just knowing something, but you need to understand the why. And that that's what helps you retain the information. So sometimes I know people I work with are a little like, okay, Vicky, whatever. But I like to get into well, this is why this is, or this is why we're doing this or whatever, because I think, I think it helps everybody to understand what we're doing and, and how it, things work a little every, better. No, it really, really does. And I know in the science world, and we'll get into that a little bit, like there's been times where you didn't feel right as, even though you have the same degree, because people that are really have a science background and anyone that, you know, has talked to someone that's super science and doesn't have that well you know, rounded backgrounds, like that doesn't communicate, you know, we all, we talk about this on this podcast all the time, gifts, you know, strengths and weaknesses. One of my gifts is communicating. One of my gifts is not science, but I've always been fascinated with how things work. And it is literally being on calls with you and having you break it down. Then afterwards, it's just, it's, it's really refreshing. And I know for the team it is as well, because you're like, it's not that you think, oh, wait, I'm the science and you guys don't understand. You're like, Hey, can I explain it to you in a different way? Cause maybe you'll grasp it. And then it's like, Oh my God, I totally grasp that. So it is a beautiful trait of yours. And it is one of, um, you know, I, I being in this role and not having a, you know, super science background really, really appreciate it. And I know that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on your next stop because your story is, is fascinating when we've gotten into just talking as like, you know, friends and colleagues, I, you know, you have said a couple of things and I know you kind of chuckled because then I was like, wait a second, I've, I'm, I need to, I need to dig into this. I, I want to ask more questions. So as you said, your parents kind of came from both that engineering side and I am obviously very, very fascinated with the sides of the brains being dyslexic and what strengths people have and what weaknesses and how the brain works. And so you came from a very science world. Um, as you said, your mom stayed home and, and raised you guys. And then as you were in school, was it kind of in your house? Like this is expected. We want you to go into the sciences or like, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah, so take not us at all. That. I don't really think so. Um, I think I always said I wanted to be an engineer or a scientist because 
as a young female in the 90s, that's what like that's what impressed people, right? You know, you would you you would be going down the line and and when they would get to me and it's like, well, I want to be an engineer. And everybody's like, ooh, and your teachers are like, oh wow. And they encourage that. And and there's a lot of positive feedback for a kid that comes with that. Um, so I think that actually led me very much to follow a science path. Realistically, I enjoyed um I enjoyed my all of my classes pretty much equally. I liked science, but I liked English just as well. Um, I took two foreign languages. I loved foreign language. Um, I really liked that. We were, like I said, we were definitely not a science nerd family. We were just kind of pretty standard average people. So it was really hard to try and figure out. There wasn't one thing I was particularly passionate about. So it was really hard to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, but I kept getting all this positive feedback that like being a woman in science was something to be proud of and something to be excited about. So I was like, oh, well, I'll pursue that. I'm good at it. I enjoy it as much as anything else. And everybody else seems to think this is a good idea and what I should do. So that's what I'll do. <laughs> and and I think, again, you paint that picture because talking about it and we've had conversations about, you know, dyslexia and struggling in school and, you know, can't imagine, you know, wanting to go into things that... um you know, just ed education and, and continue to go. And so it always, again, fascinates me when someone is good at school and then what their path is and kind of what they go. And I know we had a conversation, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say about math, because that I like really, really struggle in math. And you were saying that you were really good in math. However, you hated math. And I think I asked you, did I ask you like 30 questions? I was like, well, wait a second. I need to understand this. I've never heard of this. And then you really broke it down. And if we think about it, and I'm going to let you, uh, you know, kind of talk about this, but when we talk about it, you know, my listeners know I have the dyslexic podcast and we talk about struggling in school and, and what that does. And when your peers and they see like, why do you write that way? Why are you spelling that way? Why do you do this? And when kids are young, it's really not a mean thing. It's really just, uh, why, why are you doing that? And then as you know, you get older, you know, it's like, well, why do you still spell like that? Why do you still do this? But we talked about, that yes, you were really good in school and, and you thrived in it and it gave you the good feels like why I played sports. That's where I got my good feels, right? You, that's what kids look for where you, where you feel good and that's what you kind of get drawn to. So I was really fascinated when you were like, I was really good in math, but I knew I was not going to go into that. And, and then you explained something that I never really thought of, but it really, I was like, and I shouldn't say never thought of, I really didn't dig deep into it because of me struggling in school. I never thought of the other side. So can you take us through that a little bit? Like why you did not pursue math? Sure. Um, so yeah, I was, I would, I always did really well in school and I found most subjects to be pretty, pretty easy. Like I said, I really loved foreign languages and English and, um, and I was good at math. So by the time I was in seventh grade, I was two years ahead of my peers in math. Um, so I jumped ahead a year in sixth grade, like I skipped sixth grade math and then I skipped another year. And so I ended up two years ahead in math by seventh, ninth grade, something like that. Anyway, there was a small group of us that were, um, that were in with a bunch of older kids in math. And so I knew it was something I was good at, but I didn't really like it. Um, I didn't enjoy, I just didn't enjoy it. Like I could do it, but I didn't, it was my least favorite subject when I did have homework. It was always the thing I put off. I didn't really want to do it. 
Um, my pre-calculus and calculus teachers were maybe didn't give a lot of great feedback. And I felt like a little bit of a, um, a misfit. And I think especially in those classes, um, you know, you talk about being dyslexic and, and knowing that you're a little bit different than the other kids sitting in the classroom. And I, I don't, fit in as like a stereotypical scientist or math and physics nerd or whatever. Um, and so especially I think in that environment where you were with like the super smart kids, I could keep up with the material, but I didn't fit in with that group at all. Um, and you were the only girl, weren't you for the, with the group that you went up in like the, the group, group? That, that you were the, the seventh and eighth graders that you moved yes, up with. You were right. the only female. So at that point there was a small group of us that were in a larger class of older kids. And there were other girls in the class, but yes. I was the only one that was two years younger than everyone. It was me and a few boys. And um, I just, I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't really enjoy it. And so, but I kept with it because uh, my plan was, well, I know if I get through calculus, then that's enough math to do what I want to do in life. And so I'll get through it. I'll get my AP credits and then I'll never take a math class again. And that's what I did. So I took my last, I took calculus as a junior in high school and got my college credits, took the test, got the college credits, and I've never taken a math course since then. <laughs> Which is, which is like, it was so fascinating. But when you explained it that way, that you were like, I didn't fit in. I didn't feel good. I didn't fit in. And I was like, ah, that's so interesting because I can really relate with that on the opposite side. Right. And that's well, the and I think, I think there's something to be said for, for how you feel when you're doing something. Not that we should only do things that make us feel good all the time, but, um, I knew it wasn't something I was passionate about. And there were plenty of other things. Like I said, it wasn't, I was struggling to figure out what I wanted to do. So the first thing you do is cross off the things that you don't want to do. And I definitely wasn't passionate about that. So let's cross that off the list and not have to deal with it and spend my time doing things that I do find interesting and that I'm excited about and passionate about. So. And I, and I love that so much because that is, again, that's what this podcast is about. And that's what life is about. And that's what it fascinated me when you said it, because I was like, well, because of me, anything I was good at, I was drawn to because I got the good feedback, right? But you bring such a good point up that a lot of people go into things that they're good at, but they might not have that passion and then they get stuck. And then that's when it's like, okay, I'm doing this because I was always good at it. Everyone's like, you should be a mathematician or you should be this or you should be that, but it's not your path, right? And I know you believe in God. So I know that we, we, we have this conversation, but like, you know, when you have that path that God kind of sees for you, the universe, God, whatever you believe, but you're doing it just because you're good at it, but it's really not what you're meant to do. Again, that's where people in life, they, you know, go 20 years and then they're like, I hate my job. I hate my life because they didn't follow that. So I love that you kind of figured that out early. Do you think that was something that kind of was just innate in you? Or is that something that was really, you know, established in your, in your family as your unit? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I I don't remember receiving any specific guidance of like, well, if you don't love this, then don't do it anymore. Um, I think it was more, we were more a family of, you know, well, you get good grades, you get a scholarship, you go to college, you then you graduate and you find a job. And right, like there was this single prescribed path. Not that I had to be a specific thing growing up, but like these are the steps that you take. And so um my parents were supportive when I decided I was going to, you know, push ahead. I mean, who's not going to be supportive of their kid when they're like, I'm going to go take calculus and I'm going to take the AP test. But then it was like, well, I'm done. And they were like, well, okay. I mean, as long as you do well with everything else, like that's fine. Um, 
And I think I, even though I felt a lot of times like I didn't know what I was doing, I kind of gave off this air that I had a plan. And, you know, again, I was telling everybody that I wanted to be an engineer and I wanted to do this and whatever. And so it seemed like I had it all under control. So, um, so I, I think I was always supported in it. Um, yeah, which I love. So, okay. So then you go into university and so what did you decide? Like, where did you go? What did you decide? And how did you kind of hone in on what you're doing now? And I know that there's a little fun story in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually some of that was in high school because like I said, I thought I wanted to be an engineer like my dad. And as a, as a woman saying you wanted to be an engineer, everybody was excited about that. So then in high school, I joined, my dad worked for General Motors. And so I joined their robotics team. And this was back when first robotics was like brand new. I think it was the second or third year. They've been running for forever now. That kind of dates me a little bit, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I joined a robotics team and it was great because within the first, I loved it. I had so much fun. I learned a ton, but within the first few weeks, I was like, I don't want to be an engineer. Like I am surrounded by engineers. This is what engineers do every day. We, it was, it was like an internship in high school almost. I got to practice and see what it was really like watching these engineers work together to design this thing. And I just was like, this is not for me. This isn't what I want to do. So that was helpful because then heading into, college, I knew I wanted to do something sciencey. I didn't like math. I didn't want to be an engineer. So I ended up heading more into the life sciences. So I did a lot of chemistry and biology and biochemistry. And it was just sort of, I kept taking these classes and they were fascinating. And then another class opportunity would come up and that sounds even more exciting. And just reading the syllabus, I couldn't wait to take this class. And so it seemed like this was the right path for me. But then I get to the end of undergrad and I still have no idea what I want to do with it. It's just, I just like learning about these things and I think it's interesting. And so there's some ideas. There's certain, um, for a while I thought I wanted to be a, a plant geneticist. I was going to like develop some, like the golden rice in China. I was going to develop the next crop that was going to save some malnourished population in some country. And then I really didn't like my botany class. And so that <laughs> So that was out. And so it was sort of this process of pursuing something that seemed interesting and seeing how it went and deciding whether I wanted to do more of that or crossing something off the list. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I was lucky that I was good enough at a lot of things that I had a list to cross things off of. I think that that was really a blessing. Um, but the flip side, I think that people don't realize when they have like one or two things that they're good at is when you're good at a lot of things and you like a lot of things, it's really hard. You feel like no matter what you pick, what if it's the wrong choice? And so it was really paralyzing, I think, sometimes for me. Um, I also remember in college and then even more so in grad school, starting to realize that I wasn't really your stereotypical scientist. I had all of these friends that like, we were all good and we were, you know, I was getting good grades. So were my friends like that was fine. But some of them I would just look at and I was like, oh my gosh, you are incredibly smart. And they just all, they would, they would just, um, I think there's sort of two types of people. There's people that are like kind of good at a lot of things. And then there's people that are really, really good at one specific thing, or they're really good at like digging down into all the minute details. And most of the time, at least in science, a PhD, you get your PhD. And then especially if you go on to be a professor, you can spend your entire career studying the 
details of like how this protein tyrosine kinase signals in this cell type and what that does. And, and it's incredibly deep and those people are brilliant. And I, I started to look around and realize, um, like I was keeping up and I could do this, but I didn't feel like that was really me. And for a really long time, I saw that as a weakness that I tried to hide, right? Cause like all of these PhDs are, I felt like I was kind of faking it, right? Like I had this imposter syndrome that, you know, I, I got my PhD and I did well and I enjoyed it and I learned a lot. Um, but I always felt like I wasn't as good as everybody else because they could, because they were like always down in these details. And I was like, I did my work. I'm going to go home with my family and go do these other fun things. Do you know what I mean? Because, and that's um, the well balance. And that's what I thought was really interesting when you said that to me. You were like, well, as a scientist. And one of the things I did studying when I did a fitness thing, and I think I shared this with you, we, we did this whole analysis on brain types. And my brain type is a direction changer where I can change direction in like two seconds. There was a very specific brain that's called the invest investigator. I'm almost positive and I could be wrong on that. So don't quote me. I'm going to look back, but it is a very specific brain type that goes deep, deep, deep. And that's, and that's a scientist. And actually that was one of the things they said, think of a scientist that just wants to study one thing and go deep. That is like the brain type. And the reason why we did this is because you want different brain types on your team. So this was actually came from NASA because again, if you think of the space shuttle, you don't want to have the same brain in the space shuttle, because if something happens, you're all going to go down if it's not someone's skill set, right? So they, they have each individual brain in the in the space shuttle. So I was like fascinated with that because again, if you think of different industries, you think of different ways people different personalities, there are very much a stereotype kind of brain when or like the kind of person. So when you said you you had and so I want to take you and we're going to kind of skip a little bit, but when you decided and then we'll go back cuz I want to like say what you studied and stuff, but when you were working at the one um the one company. And that's what you said to me. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's so interesting. You're like a lot of scientists had one or two projects, but you had like, you like 75. I did. <laughs> which, I had a lot, <laughs> which to me, like, and, and to me, that's amazing. Because again, I would be a little bit more where I would want to kind of dabble in all of it, right? Because my brain's not the brain that goes deep, deep, deep. I like surface, like, right, I, I, I get to know what I need. And then I'm on to the next thing. I get to know what I need, then I'm on to the next thing. So I kind of think that that is, um, such a, a, a awesome way when you were explaining that of how the scientists and how the world kind of worked uh, was was really cool. So when you decided to kind of, you know, and as you said, you looked at that as a weakness where someone from the outside of the science world is like, no, that's why you can talk and like have really good conversations and be really well-rounded. And then, because I'm sure there's been times where you're out and talking to people, right? And you're like, oh yeah, I have a PhD from Purdue. And what did you study? Because I remember a couple of times you have said it and I always like giggle because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's oh uh, molecular pharmacology. Yeah. Exactly. I'm giggling again because I'm like, I don't even know what that is. It makes me sweat. It's like, brings me back to school where I was like, oh, I'm not taking that class. So how did you determine that that's what you were going to end up studying? Um, (laughs) So I, I, because I knew that, uh, 
I was struggling to narrow things down. I specifically applied to graduate programs that had um, a lot of times in the life sciences, there a lot of schools have an interdisciplinary life science program. So you can come in and you can rotate. Um, it's you can rotate through labs in different departments based on the specific research that that lab is doing. And so a lot of schools have it. And I thought, well, that's perfect for me because I have no idea what department to apply for. I don't know if it should be biochemistry or chemistry or some of them were in agriculture or just the basic biology department. And um, I wasn't really sure what to do. So so these programs that allow some flexibility were perfect for me. Um, so that's what I applied for. And um, at the time, I was applying with my, at the time, fiance. And we were trying to find a school that we could both get accepted to. And, and so that's how we ended up at Purdue because it was a good fit for both of us. And I wrote, I just picked labs again, sort of based on reading what they were researching and did it sound interesting and um, talking to other students and figuring out what the vibe was in that lab, because I'm a firm believer that who you work with has as much to do with your job satisfaction as what you're doing. And um, so that was really important. And I picked labs where I felt like I would be a good personality fit as well as um, interested in what they were doing. And my last rotation was a perfect fit. And that's where I landed. And um, all through my five years of grad school, I had no idea what I was going to do with it when I left. I just kept slowly crossing things off the list. Like, oh, it looks like the new professor across the hall is is here every night and every weekend until he gets tenure. And that's not the lifestyle I want. So I guess I won't be a professor. And so it was just things like that, just like crossing things off the list. And and it's a little bit difficult sometimes to even know what else is left. So when it was getting close to graduation, I was like, well, I'm just going to apply to everything that sounds interesting. And I'll use the interviews as practice and I'll just be myself and we'll see what happens. And hopefully something will will come through. And I had a friend who... um we were in the same program, but she had been out for a few years. She got a master's and went into industry and they were hiring. And she was like, this is a great place to work. And I was like, oh, well, um, I didn't really know a lot about the job, but it seemed great. And she liked her coworkers and it seemed, it was a medical device company and they were doing, and I, I, it was important to me that I like where I was working and who I was working with and that I felt like I was making a difference and, and helping other people. And so it seemed like a good fit and I interviewed and it was a great fit. And, um, and that's where I ended up. So I started out working in clinical trials as a project manager and they were specifically looking for kind of atypical PhDs that had a science background, but were really strong in communication and um, multitasking and all of these things that administrative type stuff, project management, all the, all the things that I was decently good at. Um, and I didn't have to be perfect at any of them because, you know, then I was in industry. And so I was on a team and there was a statistician that I could go talk to to do the math for me. And there, <laughs> and there were nurses on staff when we were talking medical things that I didn't know. And so, um, I was good at being sort of the hub of the wheel and having all of these different people around that um, that were experts in their specific area that I knew I could go to. That was that was huge for me because that was again that was like my biggest. I was so self conscious about feeling like even with a PhD, I still felt like I wasn't really an expert at right. any one thing. And um, and the thing that you said because I literally say this to my kids. I say this to any teenager that will listen. It's more important in the beginning to find out what you don't want to do. 
And what you want to do will just come out. But the more things that you can try, the more things that you can put your hands in, the more things you can learn about to be like, yep, nope, I don't want to do that. Nope, I don't want to do that is so important. So I love that you already had that kind of mindset. I mean, one of the things that we kind of both, uh, you and I laugh, and when Danielle is like, you guys are so good together, because we do have a lot of the same thoughts and the and and values, right? Our core values. Because again, it's so important. If you're not working with people that you respect and you enjoy and you would want to get to know more, like why, right? Why you spend so much of your time. My grandmother used to say that she was a nurse and she used to say, you ha- you that's where you spend the most of your time. You have to be in love with what you're doing and the people around um, is, is really the most important. So I think that's brilliant. Like you went into something and, and again, that was your path, right? So where did that take you and how long were you with that company? And then kind of where did you pivot from there? So I, I guess maybe coming from a classic old fashioned kind of family, I was very much raised in that old fashioned mindset of, you find a company and you're loyal and you stay there and you retire there. And that's what I thought I was going to do once I had been there a couple of years and, um, and I was really liking it and I was thriving. And even on the days when I didn't like it, I always had this fear that I would go somewhere else. The grass wouldn't be greener. And I would, it just felt like any kind of a move was such a monumental thing. And what if it doesn't work out that, um, I really loved where I was and I loved my coworkers, but at the same time, I was terrified to make a change even at the times that I didn't love it. So I really thought that that's where I was going to be until I retired. Um, I changed roles within the company, which was something that I did really like. They were very supportive of employees developing and moving into new roles within the same company. Um, I think it's a smart thing from the outside, right? For employee retention. So I uh, moved up to managing a team of project managers and then we were growing. And so we needed to, um, we needed to sort of change the way we were structured because we were getting too big. And so in that change of structure, the science was separated from the operations piece, which is really typical in larger companies. And I was managing an operations team. So I stayed there for a while and knew that that's not where I fit. Um, and I really wanted... So I, I, when an opening came up, I moved over to the clinical science side, um, which was a little bit hard because it meant stepping down out of management. Um, and I realized in that time that I really liked... I liked the teaching side of management. I liked mentoring new employees and helping um, kind of guide the direction of where we were headed next as, as a team. So that was that was a good transition, but also difficult for that one part of it. And then as I grew in that role, um, I started working with all of our clients were internal. Um, right. So other parts of the company that, that were making different types of products. And I started working with more and more specialized groups that were working on more, um, more biologic type devices, which was a good fit for my background. And a lot of us were engineers and I was not, definitely not. <laughs> so, so it was a good fit. Um, and it, it also felt like a good fit personality wise and a good opportunity. So after about 10 years, I ended up moving to another company within the same group. So the company I worked for, you know, like these big corporations have separate smaller companies within them. And so I transferred over to another company, but I was still within the same corporation. And, um, 
it was a great learning opportunity. I moved into um, a much smaller team. So I was the only person with any clinical research experience. I was one of very few um, PhDs, one of very few biologists on the team. And so that that was great because it brought all sorts of challenges. It made me kind of confront all sorts of insecurities where I had this safety net of lots of other people with the same expertise that I could, that I could, if I didn't know what to do, I could kind of bounce ideas off of and stuff. And I, and I'm not knocking that. I think that's really important to have. But then I got to this point where it was like, well, now I'm the one that has to make the decision on my own because I'm the only one here that has that. And so it was a really, I think it sort of forced me to take off the training wheels a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I want to stop you for a second. So where, because I love the kind of the timeline. So where were you? Were you married? Were, did you have kids at this point? Oh, I got, I got married. My husband and I were high school sweethearts. Right. So I was married before I came to grad school. Okay. Yeah. We were dating all through, well, tail end of high school, all through college and applied to grad schools together. And we got married right before we started grad school. So I had been married. Um, for five years when I got my first job and then about two years into that job, we had our oldest, we have two boys. So by the time I was making these career jumps, um, I was, let's see, my kids were late preschool to early elementary school and, um, so that also was, plays a, that plays a role in it as well because you're you have built this career and it's like okay now I have other people that need me right it's not like I can't just be like oh, I'm going to try over here I'm going to try over here well for sure right it makes any kind of change a lot scarier mm-hmm. because everybody's depending on you um, but I will absolutely say I was pretty well married to my job at that point I definitely have always had a little bit of kind of workaholic tendencies. And I look back now because my, my life is very much more balanced now. I I think the pandemic did that to a lot of us, right? It kind of helped us reassess priorities. And then a lot of other things have happened. Um, but I look back and I didn't have great work life balance. I was completely committed to my job and pushing those, those studies through because I felt like the things I was working on were really important and they were meeting unmet needs for patients. And it was just, it always felt so urgent to get these therapies through, like to, 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 if we really believed in something to, to get the information to, to show if that was true and, and really get it out there to be able to start helping people. And it just the, the urgent, the sense of urgency was always there. And so I did not have great work-life boundaries at that time in my life. Right. Luckily, my kids are young enough. They don't remember a lot of it now. <laughs> right. No, but it is, it's an important thought because as you said, one of the things that you said a little while ago is that it was important to you to make a difference in other people's lives. So when you have that, and, and that's something that's a value, that's a core principle of yourself, of your personality, of who you are, to, to balance that is difficult. And I think that people appreciate the honesty that you just said there, because it is something with age as we grow and we kind of morph into these more adult like people, even though we could have been adult like before we, we learn from these things. So you, you jumped into another role. You had this, you know, more of a smaller team. You were more of, uh, had different assets than others. And so when, then where did that take you? Um, so I made that jump uh, probably about six months into the pandemic. So 
I had gone from, I wasn't traveling as much as like some people that work in sales, but I was traveling a lot. I was gone a lot. Um, my kids never saw me in the morning cause I was off at work in order to make, to balance like, you know, bus and daycare schedules. I was gone to work before they ever woke up in the morning. Um, and the pandemic hit and, um, everything changed for all of us. And it really, I kind of was reassessed. So there was a lot of reassessing. Is this what I want to be doing? Am I happy with what I'm doing? Not just content wise, but lifestyle wise and just a lot of different things um, when that opportunity came up. And it was a hard decision because like I said, I really thought I was going to be in one place forever. Um, I think the biggest thing that move taught me was that it's okay to make a jump. I mean, I landed and I loved what I was doing and I had an amazing team. Um, and so it was a good jump, but it also felt like, well, I made it. And if it wasn't good, I could probably make it again and I'd be okay. And so it just took a lot of that pressure and scariness off of, of making a jump. So we did that for about two years. And then, um, like I said, it was a really small company within a larger corporation and um our company we unfortunately found out that our company was being closed and so i suddenly found myself without a job um from the company that i thought i was going to retire from like i thought i was you know i had been loyal to and and was kind of married to and and all of a sudden i didn't have a job anymore and that's just you know in hindsight um i mean there was a lot to work through there but in hindsight i mean those are those business decisions get made all the time that's just that's what life is like um, but when so I, I took a little yeah. bit of, I, when you're a loyal oh, person, well, when you're a loyal person, it is cause I, you know, I've witnessed that I've lost jobs, but when you're a loyal person, like it stings, it stings when you're like, well, wait a second, how like yours was getting closed. So it's, it's a little bit of a different, it's like, yeah, we don't have a choice. Everyone's gone. But just that, that time in our lives where it's like, we are making pivots and it's not always our choice. And that sometimes is really difficult. And having a personality where, as you said, this was kind of like, no, this is what you do. You get married, you have kids, you, you know, you stay in your job, you do these different kind of things. It's like, it takes the wind out of your sail and you have to learn how to, okay, I need to, to, to get myself together to get to that next step to, you know, find out what I'm meant to be doing. So when that happened, Take us through that. So you said you you took kind of a six month, let's figure this out kind of thing. Yeah. Well, luckily, because our company was being closed, um, we had a little bit of a severance cushion, you know, that usually comes along with that, which was which was really good because yeah, it was a huge, it was a big mental reset for me um, because, like I said, I was really kind of married to my job, and and frankly, ever since I was a kid, I had put so much of my intrinsic value in my job, what I was going to be doing, right? That whole, it goes all the way back to that whole, oh, I'm going to be an engineer. Oh, like that. There's just this value assigned to you as a female in the sciences that had like a very high pressure, demanding, high power job. That was who I was. And then when all that was gone, it's like, who, who am I? I, I, I mean, I had a, I, it was really a massive, reassessment for me of what is my value as a person because what I've always defined it as sudden like can just be taken away and those are business decisions like they have to happen that's just the way it is it's not personal um although it felt personal at first but you know we all like you said we're you know you get over that and you realize it's not and it's just how it is and 
So I took, I did not just jump into another company. Um, I decided to take some time. I actually set up a consulting business. So I do some clinical strategy and regulatory consulting. Um, and I thought, well, this will be good. I can stay fresh, but it just sort of gave me some time to reassess what was next. Um, and the, the first company that I actually signed on to consult with, um, was Fat Tech. Which is, which is where we both are. And, um, and, but I told them very much up front, like, this is what's happened. I, I'm not really ready to commit to being, you know, um, like a, a part of a company right now. I'm just not, I'm kind of taking a break from all that. And so it was very much a, well, we'll wait and see. Let's get through this milestone together and we'll see how things go. Um, and I think that was really what I needed, but. We did get through the milestone and it went really well. And again, it's it's very important to me to feel like I'm valued, like my opinion is valued. Um, I think it I think it kind of helps with all of those insecurities that I've mentioned about feeling like I, you know, I'm not I'm not the deep expert in this one thing. Um, but knowing that I have expertise and and starting to realize that I have expertise and that that's valuable and feeling valued and appreciated and working with people that I enjoy working with. Those are really big things. And then again, most importantly, knowing that what you're doing is having an impact because even now that I have great work-life balance, it, it takes me away from time with my family and my family is the most important thing to me. So if it's going to be something that's going to take time away from that focus, it needs to be worthwhile. I love it. And I mean, one of the things that you said, and it really is true, um, that's one of the things I, the reason why I love working, you know, with this company too, is because Clay and Danielle are so open and so respect us as people and what we can bring to the table, but also are like, Hey, why don't you jump on this call? It could be interesting for you, right? How I've been brought into the research and development stuff. I just sit there. I mean, I remember the first day there was... <laughs> that we were on the call and there was like the three, four PhDs. I don't even remember what it was, but I was sitting there like, oh, what, what title am I going to say? And I usually, again, we, my listeners know I'm, I'm fairly calm. I'm a confident person, but every once in a while, there'll be like that gut check. Oh, I'm back in school. And it's like, shit, I don't know what they're talking about. You know, I go to write something down that someone says, cause I want to look it up. And I'm like, I don't even know how to say that or spell that. So I'm just going to sit here. And I remember it was like, we all went around and introduced ourselves. And it was like, they asked me to be on this call, right? The, the Feddies know what I can bring to this company. They know. So I'm going to be confident. I'm the communications person, right? I, I don't have the science background, but I'm here. I'm excited to learn because that's what they were saying. Why don't you go on these calls? You don't have to, but you can learn. And you open armed. We're like, hey, if you have any questions, please let me know. And then same when we do the PR stuff, I'm like, hey, Vicky, jump over. They're doing website stuff because I know, again, that stuff that you enjoy. And, and it's like, come over because also it's a different a different skill set and a different eyes. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast with all different kind of people. Because sometimes we ask a question and it's a really innocent question, but then it gets everyone thinking, well, wait a second. 
because when you're in the, like when you're doing it, marketing, you know, all these different things that I'm doing all the time to sometimes have you ask a question when we were starting the podcast, right? You asked one question and we were like, whoa, oh wait, we need to pivot everything because that's a really important question. We didn't even think about it because we weren't thinking on that side. And so that's one of the things I love so much about working with you and Fet Tech is that we all kind of bring that. We all ask questions. We all kind of respect each other's opinions. When someone asks a question, it's not like, oh, we don't have time for that. It's like, yeah, let's pause and let's answer it. Because again, it brings up good conversations and it brings things to, okay, where's that next, you know, where's that next step? And so again, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, there's sort of two distinct personalities. And I mean, lots of people in the middle, right? There's like, here's what I know. Here's my job. This is like, there's, there's people that are really good at their lane, and that's super important. And then there's people that, and, and maybe it's those of us that get easily bored and, <laughs> but, but that, that are kind of like, well, here's what I know, but here's what I don't know. And I'll go figure it out. It's fine. I'll go figure it out. And if you're that personality to be on a team full of people with that same personality, you really do feel like you can do anything. Um, because you're all, you can be honest about what your strengths are, but also what your weaknesses are, because it's not, it's not a weakness if you're then willing to go find the right person, get the knowledge or find the expert that you need and plug that in. Um, you know, then that's how, then, then as a team, you really start to be able to do amazing things. And that's just so special, um, to have. It is. And one of the things that I think you and I have talked about. Uh, is that also, because I remember there was something where it was like, okay, Julia, you, why don't you run with that? And I was like, well, wait a second. If I mess up, like, which I'm fine, it's okay. I can make fit, you know, failures, but like, is this something that's going to get us in trouble with the FDA? Like maybe <laughs> I shouldn't like, you know, and it's like, no, 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 you won't get in trouble. So that's why we're putting you on that. This is fine. But it is uh, also working with Clay and Danielle, it is like, okay, we're all going to make mistakes. That's how we learn from them. And they kind of embrace that because of their backgrounds and their stories. And that's why I love doing podcasts and talking to people because stories do connect us. Someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, oh my gosh, it gets them thinking. And they might be in a spot right now where they're like scared to make that pivot, right? Because they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But they hear your story and then they see where you've come out of because of the moves that you've made in your life. And it's like, okay, I'm going to get a little confidence to go do that. So that's what I think is, is so brilliant about, again, being able to have a platform to be able to share stories. So Vicki, Victoria Martin, um, thank you. I mean, really, thank you for joining your next stop and coming on here and, and sharing yourself because I know it's not always easy. I know it's for you. You're like, no, this is the easy part. I love this, but it's not always easy for everyone. And so I do appreciate you taking the time because I know you're busy. <laughs> I was on the call today. I know what you have on your plate. Um, but you know, I really appreciate you joining and sharing. Oh, no, I thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks for for having this platform to be able to share these things. I think our shared experiences really are an important way to help encourage each other. And so thanks for giving me the opportunity. Of course. So you guys know what to do. Like, rate, review, and share. Again, you might be listening to this and be like, oh, that's such a nice you know, conversation. And we've heard about FedTech. They seem like a great company. But you don't know who needs to hear this. You don't know who in your world needs to hear this conversation because it really actually can change. So don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, you know, Vicki, again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you guys for another episode of your next stop. I hope you 
liked this episode of Your Next Stop, please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 